This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings all and thank you very much for joining me from wherever you are in the world. I hope you are doing it just great. In this episode of the show, I have a conversation with Laurie Luke to share with you. Laurie is a musician from Perth in Western Australia. I first had a conversation with him in 2019 when he launched his EP titled Way Back When. It was one of those releases that I listened to well after the interview and we have long since continued exchanging messages. Then I saw a confronting post on social media in July 2021 that explained a whole lot, but not everything, which is why I thought it would be a great idea to reconnect. It's a tale of misfortune and calamity, but also extraordinary courage and bravery. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation, from life-altering events to plenty of topics relating to our favourite subject, the music. Laurie has a new song. It's out now, and we're going to have a listen before we dive into the chat. It's a cracker, and it's titled Long Way Home. Let's go.
What's been, uh, what has the day held for you up to this point, mate? You've worked on all of that sort of stuff or you've been working on the music instead, the real stuff? Uh, I'm working on the real stuff. Um, yeah, I've been unlucky and lucky. So um, after the, the accident and all that kind of stuff, I'm just on income protection at the moment. So um, just every day's recovery, you know, so just chipping away at, you know, trying to be a human being again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing you. Yeah, is that is that how it is at the moment? You're still in effectively in in like a, a mid to long term recovery mode. Yeah, yeah. It'll be there's no real map with what I went through in terms of how to recover. It's not you know it's not like a broken leg in six weeks and you're good to go. It's just uh, it's the Wizard of Oz, you know. Yeah, it sucks, dude. Yeah, I'm, I remember when it happened from afar, of course. I remember, I mean, you probably, whenever you posted about it, I certainly saw the first post that went up there and I really felt for, for you both, to be honest with you, because, you know, you had that, you articulated uh, what happened to you both and it just, I mean, do you believe in fate and destiny? Can I ask that question? You'd kind of have to after that, wouldn't you? You know? It's very... Um, it's not, yeah. I mean, for, for both of you to to have to suffer that way um, mm. is very unusual. It is, um, and there, I've gone through it a, a lot of times. And there's they they brought my family in to say goodbye, man. Like I, I was I was on my way out, you know. Um, Jesus, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I was kind of. Ah, oh, fuck it. It's in the song anyway. I was between radio stations. Yeah. And I I know and remember um, making a decision to come back this way. Holy yeah. shit. Oh, wow, well, you've had that whole experience. Yeah, and it's, it's with me all day, every day, and it kind of pops in and lets me know it's still here, you know. You, it's it's how do I put it? Um, for, I think it, it obviously it's different for for everybody, um, but it's always the same. It's got the same. It's made up of the same stuff. And you and, you you remember making a decision that no, I've, I've uh, got things to do. I'm trying to like it's like when a new movie comes out, trying to tell you mate what it's about without fucking the movie up. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I came back, man. Um, got stuff to do, so that's what I'm doing. I should probably fill the listeners in on what we're talking about. So, um, well, I'll, I'll hand it over to you if it's okay on that front there, because of course I don't have all of the detail. But can you, in as, of course, yeah. in as much or as little detail as you want, can you tell us what what you went through and indeed your uh, your wife or girlfriend went through as well? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so it was you know. I think it was a Friday or Saturday night. I'm not too sure. Um, so Morgan was heading out to meet a friend. Um, yeah, just a normal kind of end of the week thing. And I kissed her goodbye and said, you know, have a good, have a good night. Um, and as far as I was aware, um, she jumped in an Uber and kind of did her thing. And then... Um, so I was just relaxing at home and I had a phone call maybe an hour later from one of her friends and I just, even before I picked up the phone, I, I knew something was wrong. 
Um, and sure enough, um, something was very wrong. Um, so at, at that point, uh, forgive me if I kind of vague out and stuff like that. Um, of course, mate. No, go for yeah. it. No worries whatsoever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I remember the first phone call and she said, um, you know, Morgan never turned up and which kind of set alarm bells off because it, it was only half an hour away from the house. So we're an hour in, she hasn't arrived. Um, you know, the thought process kind of kicks into all the horrible things that yeah. go wrong. Imagine. Yeah. Um, so between me and uh, Beck, her friend, um, we were, you know, milling phone calls trying to figure out what's happened. And I, I ended up um, receiving a phone call. I'm not too sure if it was a like a firefighter or an ambulance driver, it was some emergency service. Um, and told me, yeah, she's she'd been in a hit and hit and run car accident, um, basically out the front of the pub that she was going to, like a stone throw, literally. And um, yeah. so, um, yeah, and what had happened. Um, and this is still kind of ongoing, but um, yeah, some guy just cut through a red light um, in a four-way kind of intersection, mm. and hit her side of the Uber side on, um, and yeah, so she was rushed to a hospital and broken pelvis and fractured ribs and you know the the works. Um, so I I jumped in my car and headed down to the hospital straight away and, um, yeah, kind of in emergency waiting and I eventually got pulled through and, I, I, you know, um, I guess like a lot of people, I, I don't really enjoy hospitals. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not a place you go to kind of hang out and have fun, I guess. But um, mm. anyway, so... You know, all, all these things are going on. Um, I walk in and she's on the um, stretcher and it's, it's not looking good. Um, and, I, yeah, just standing next to her and I, I remember um, just feeling faint. And I've um, since what happened to me, I've realised I've had this kind of issue throughout my life. Uh. Um, but I'd always kind of push it away. Um so anyway, um, yeah, I, I knew what was about to happen. So I said, oh, look, I, I'm really sorry, but I think I'm going to pass out. So I got on my knees um, because this had happened before. Um, so it's, you know, I thought, well, I'm not going to fall as far. Um, and then I woke up. Basically, long story short, a week later after being in a coma and having a brain hemorrhage um, and uh, having a craniotomy, which is basically where um, they they kind of, so the brain hemorrhage was going on and obviously within your skull, if there's nowhere for the blood to escape, my head was just blowing up and slowly killing me. Mm. Uh, so this is the thing, right place, right time, you know. Lucky, unlucky, I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they cut basically from here down the back of my head, over my ear and top, top of my ear here. Mm -hmm. um, 
pulled the skin back, drilled into the bone, took it out like a broken tile on a house and kind of got in there and fixed it. Mm. Um, put my skull back in, put a few few screws in it and um, stapled it up with 50-odd staples and gave me a dodgy haircut and here I am. <laughs> it's hard to know what to make of, you know, divine providence in these moments, isn't it? Because, I'm, I mean, the, the way I... Uh, from what I understand, of course, I've been following your socials. We've, we've, we've been talking to each other a bit on there and just what you said then. Yeah. If, you know, for it's very unfortunate for Morgan to have to uh, go through what she went through, but perhaps if she didn't, then it might not have been addressed in the way and as quickly as, you know, my yeah. comment of, you know, I lost my father to brain cancer and I saw how quickly that took him. Oh, sorry, man. You know, oh, no, it's fine, brother. God, it was years ago now, so over <laughs> 10 years ago now. But um, I just yeah. remember anything to do with the brain, mate. I mean, I just, it was almost instant from when he was diagnosed. He was always fairly vague, and I think to your point, mate, he was living with something his entire life potentially. Yeah, very aloof. Yeah. You know, you'd be talking yeah. to him in a conversation, you start looking over here or what have you, and you just went, "Oh, that's that's him," you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's anything to do with the brain if it's not caught in the right moment from the experience with my father. You're gone, mate. The only thing that kept him alive was just constant bloody operations and just keeping my mother sane. You know, because she didn't want to, yeah. you know, and 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 so there is, you know, I'm I'm a Christian in this in that respect, in that I I am a Christian, I should say, but in the respect that I apply that to a situation like this, I think God does have a plan. Okay. Um, and I hope yeah. that there is, I hope that there was a plan there that, despite the suffering, you know, it does mean that you've both got very long journeys ahead, and it's just one of those mountains that you had to climb in order to see the vast vista of your life that lays before you. Yeah. Look, there's um. I'm finally getting to a point now where you can see some things and um, I, it, 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 it gives me hope that as you go along in the recovery um, that it, it's almost for the best in some ways, as yeah. crazy as that sounds. Um, so within that story when that happened, I... I, I didn't know any of this because, of, you know, obviously what happened. Um, I actually checked myself out of the hospital at one point mm. and I, I have no recollection. I signed papers. So I, I, passed, I passed out um, and then they ran some tests or whatnot and because I was so anxious about everything that was going on, I, I just get a, to a point in the hospital where I just need to get outside with fresh air and some, you know, some trees or just, you know, something that's not um, white, bright yeah. light and just, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, and there was actually a doctor there who saved my life by saying, hang on, I think you should stay and I want to run a couple more tests. So the first test came through and I think, um, actually I've read the reports just recently and, they were saying, oh, look, you know, he's fallen, cracked his head um, and had a seizure or whatever it was that was happening. Um, um, we'll do a few more investigations. So between that point and there, I was kind of out the door, signed my papers, and he kind of brought me back in. Whatever happened, happened. And, yeah, if, if I'd walked off, I would have, I don't who knows what. This might not have happened at all, this conversation, you know. How's how's Morgan going? Yeah, she's she's doing really well, really well. Um 
yeah, recovered amazingly and is playing gigs better than ever, you know. Um, awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah born musicians. That's the thing. I remember speaking to, I've spoken to both for, for the listeners' benefit. Okay. Morgan is Morgan Jonell. I've spoken to Morgan uh, for the podcast. Both, both you two are outstanding musicians. And it's just, you know, it's so interesting that you found each other in life as life partners. And then you've had this experience together. It's like you were, you were destined to experience all of these, you know, just, just have these experiences together and to sort of let, be able to lean on each other through, through them very similar you know both musicians both had life-threatening illnesses and and and, yeah. and things occur like that you, you're the only two people that i sort of know that have had that that happen to you so but yeah, yeah. that's really cool to hear that, that, that she's um back on her feet and that music can take the priority again because man you know god knows we need the music these days after especially you guys out west of the covid lockdowns and all the rest of it so yeah. has the recovery process has it been all about the recovery or have you been able to sort of take some time out during that too and focus on this wonderful craftsmanship, crafting the music that uh, you love doing? Oh, look, um, the music is instrumental, you know, it's pun intended, um, in <laughs> me literally rewiring my brain. Um, mm. When I kind of came to and... Uh, looking back, I was kind of in denial, but obviously it's like having your computer. If it's it's frozen and you're just hitting buttons, yeah. that's where I just nothing is computing. But um, uh, like I I kind of woke up and I I was basically paralysed down the side. I I couldn't hold a a cup of water or or anything. Um, I just learned how to walk and I, I had slurred speech. I couldn't talk. Um. But I, I was freaking about not playing guitar, man. Yeah, that 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 was getting to me a lot. Um, and when I eventually was able to put some headphones in and listen to music, that was that was rough. Um, uh, it didn't make sense when I listened to music. I've I've talked to a couple of friends about this and the. The best way I can uh, explain it would be um, if, you know, the, the picture of, I, I don't know, pick a painting, right? So mm-hmm. uh, if music were a painting um, and everyone looks and says, okay, we all agree that music is a painting, that's the Mona Lisa, right? Mm-hmm. And when everyone looks at the painting, that's their version of listening to music. When I kind of came to, um, to me, if I looked at that painting, it looked like someone had cut it up into a thousand pieces and thrown it in the air. And that's what music sounded like to me. Um, it, um, it'd be like in a Pro Tools session if you went through all the tracks and just knocked them all out of phase mm-hmm. and then hit play. Um, that's what it sounded like. And I was going back to... Um, my bread and butter of music, you know, like Jimi Hendrix and stuff that's in in my DNA, yeah. um, and none of it made any sense. I couldn't follow four four time or anything. Um, so getting back to the original point, relearning music is that's my therapy, man. It's it it's a cliche. Music is medicine, but it, in my case, it's it's literal. I think yeah. for people like us without it, we suffer terribly. 
I can't. Yeah. I know I could never ever live without it. And look, yeah. I've, throughout my life, I've suffered through terrible anxiety. It might sound crazy given I've been a broadcaster and a public speaking or the dog going crazy next door. <laughs> um, <laughs> do public speaking with Toastmasters and all of this sort of stuff. But that's the reason why I did it because I suffered terrible anxiety. I just went through a phase there where yep. we start shaking for no reason. But one of the key things that led me through that was performance. So it was so weird in that I could barely speak in front of five people. Yeah. And then I could get up and perform in front of a hundred, no dramas whatsoever and talk in between, you know, um, yeah. It was such a strange thing, and if it wasn't for music, music is a salvation. It's long been that, hasn't it? You know, we, oh, it's it's got to be the oldest form of communication ever. You know, mm. um, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. it'd be so simple. You know, just tapping your leg and some sticks together, whatever you need. Indeed, yeah, just whatever whatever works out. But I mean, look for us, rock music, metal, whatever you want to call it, stuff with guitars in it. That's the, the stuff, stuff that's our bread and butter. Yeah, that's the stuff that you know, yeah. like with your, your equipment around there, you can pick it up and you're basically conjuring things out of thin air. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've always marvelled at that. I've never taken that for granted, actually, about what we do as musicians, which is that you can you got a fretboard and uh, it's set up in chromatic sequences, and you can sort of tune into those chromatic sequences. And it really just comes down to how much. Some people are blessed, you know, the Hendrixes and the Tash Sultanas. They seem to be able to pick up a bloody guitar and just, you know, not even practice. It just sort of out it goes. Van Halen, these sort of people. But um, mm. yeah, it's still a mystery to me how we're able to. Uh, just just create music the way that we are. Sometimes we're not even thinking. That's oftentimes the best stuff that I've ever written. I haven't written stuff in, in a long time, I must confess, but it's just when you're in a flow, you sort of get into an energy flow. Do you find that yep. as well? Oh, that's exactly what it is. You're just kind of dialing into that, whatever that is, you know, hmm. uh, and you've, you've got to get out of the way of yourself. Yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah, no, so um, true. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. I never learned music properly. Like, uh, I don't know how to read it. Um, it's, it's. It was just the obsession with how that made me feel that, you know, I got to where I am, and having to do it twice <laughs> makes me appreciate it more. You know. So your, your, your ability to play guitar was effectively taken from you and you had to yeah. use uh, muscle memory maybe or something equivalent to that, whatever it might be. Uh, your motor skills were just fine-tuned, so you had to go through, you know, learning B bar chords. You had to do that stuff. Uh, and I could, like, um, they brought a small guitar into the hospital for me and, I, you know, even just trying to cop an A chord or E or something, it, it was rough, man. It wasn't nice. <laughs> it, it, I would have been, I reckon, the equivalent would have been like a fresh learner maybe six months into playing guitar. That's where I was at. Holy shit. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So wh where are you at now, though? Is it back up to where you were? Because, I mean, you're a very accomplished player, so you, you're sort of near yeah. to where you were? Um, I th yeah, I think so, Yeah. Um, <laughs> some days. Is it different? Is it different though? Are you playing it differently? Like, do you notice that you're doing things differently from before now? Yeah, there's a few little bits and pieces in there that feel a bit different and phrasings and just rhythms mainly. Um, it, it's a, it's, 
it's a strange one to explain because I already had the knowledge and the skill, but I couldn't, I, I had to figure out how to access it again because nothing was working, you know? So it was, um, yeah, it was, I, I think I talked about it um, before. It, it's David Bowie in the labyrinth with stairs upside down and sideways and, yeah, you just got a nice analogy. I was just in the supermarket and they were playing magic dance. I couldn't believe it. I was in Coles and they're playing magic dance over the speakers. And I grew yeah. up with Labyrinth. And, and the bridal waltz at my wife and my wedding was um, as the world falls down. So, yeah, man, that's a great oh, wow. reference. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, great, great. I mean, Bowie pretty much wrote the book, though, didn't he? I mean, he has, he has oh, his foot in everything, you know. So many firsts, you know. Yeah, people don't realise it was like 1972 when he's coming out with stuff that sounds like it could come out now. It's, like, oh. it's being ripped off now and you're like, wow, look at that. So it's Velvet Underground, all of that, all of that stuff. It just sort of gets rehashed and rehashed. But you got to go yeah. back to the original, don't you, to get the source, the inspiration like you talk about with Jimmy. Absolutely. And, you know, and then um, then you're on the train straight to blues, you know. Well, that's the Rosetta Stone right there, isn't it? Because, I mean, once you're in, into blues, you can take it anywhere. And Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and which blues artists in particular do you lean into? Oh man, I'm. There's a lot. I I love Lightning Hopkins, Muddy Waters, um, Rory Gallagher. Oh um, yes, Rory Gallagher. <laughs> I listened to him the other night with Jack Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Um, what his version of Catfish? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard that with his band Taste. No, no, I haven't. I'm going to ch I'll check it out though. Yeah. Oh man, like killer. guitar tone. That's just, uh, and yeah, it's a, I'm pretty yeah, sure I'm it's a live version. Um, yeah, that, that guy had it, you know? Yeah. It's crazy when you, I mean, I love YouTube for that reason. You can waste a lot of time on it, but when you when you tune into music like we like we are, and you go, okay, I'm going to discover some stuff. You get into Gary Moore. You watch the entire Thin Lizzy performance on the Sydney Opera House steps and you just go, does it get better than that? So I think that that Thin Lizzy performance on the steps of the Opera House in 1976 or whatever it was is probably okay. the probably the greatest gig that was ever recorded. Wow. You, you that's, that's, Mate, I, I, I think I've seen the clip. Yeah, check out Phil Linnett is just, I mean, you look at um, Scotty uh, Gorham and the drummer whose name I can never remember, but Scotty Gorham, the other guitarist who I've had a chat to him and a lovely fella, you know, the American guy in the group. He was always yeah. the American fella in the group. But then Gary Moore on the other side, you just see, you just see Scotty anchoring what Gary's doing because Gary's like a boxer on stage, you know, he's got it all going on. Yeah. And he's just wrestling the notes out of his Les Paul. And yeah. and he's different to Rory Gallagher, but they managed to achieve something remarkably similar. And uh, you, you listen to guys of that tone, don't you? And you just think, oh, man, that's it's it's in the knuckles, it's in the fingers, it's in the wrist. Same thing. It's, it's not about the gear. It's it's in your fingers, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I long said that. Yeah, if you've got to throw it, you, if, you, if, you, if you need the gear to achieve your sound, you're not doing it right. You know, there's only one, the edge. Everybody else has just got to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, watching that. What was that doco with him and Jack Black uh, and um, hey, Dingo? Yeah. Jack White. 
Jack White, sorry, Jack Black. Got Jack White and uh, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Page. Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, you can sort of see their contrasting styles, can't you? And, and I've got to say, I, I found the Edge quite inspiring after watching that because I do play guitar uh, as well, and I'm yeah. not a really good guitarist. I play guitar like a bass player, so a lot of bar chords, occasional. You know, I do the lead in "Wish You Were Here," for example. You know, the yeah, cool. You know, I'll do that, but I won't solo. Uh, just, just never, never my thing. But the Edge sort of inspired me to go out and get one of the pods. Yeah, and, well. Uh, and I just never spent time with it, so I ended up selling it a year or two later. Oh, <laughs> man, we've all been there with gear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gear is a shocker, isn't it? I've given most of it to my kids' school because uh, it was just sitting around the house and I don't gig enough anymore. You know, COVID happened and yeah. and I'm in my mid-40s these days and I just do not have the energy to gig every single weekend twice, twice. you know, Friday and Saturday night. Oh, it's um, a lot of work and, like, people don't realise what it takes for them to see the end product of a band playing music in front of them. they got no idea. Your new tune is called Long Way Home. It is. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, saw, I saw the socials update there. You're getting it mastered. Uh, at, is it mastered or mixed at Studio 301? Uh, mastered. Um, I, actually, I actually had Darren Middleton from Powderfinger mix it. Well, he knows what he's doing. Oh man, it sounds amazing. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. He did such a amazing job. Yeah, it was unreal. I was, I'm so stoked with it. Yeah, I'm really proud. So I listened to way back when. You know, I've shared this with you. I listened to way back when, long after our interview cycle completed. Oh, um, that's man. That's yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for for people listening, um, look, I don't like Matchbox Twenty at all. To be honest with you, I almost bought their bass rig from the bass bass player down in Sydney way back in the uh, mid two mid two thousand mid nineties. It was, if you can believe it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but um, I, I I liken your music to a much better version of what they do in that it's musical. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you add their sense of melody, but then if you get all the musicianship and okay. the and the sense of fun with the the arrangements that you've got going on, and uh, I think I mentioned too a bit of Faith No More. I heard in there too. Yeah, so it's, it's the Bungle or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mister Bungle. Yeah, I don't, I don't like what Mister Bungle. What are your thoughts on what Mister Bungle are doing these days, though? To be honest, I. Probably fallen off the, you know, the dial with that one. I haven't kept up with them, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, so. Well, I got Scott Ian from Anthrax. They're basically a metal band these days, and look, oh, I'm wow. all about, look, yeah, I'm right. all about metal. But Mr. Bungle weren't metal. You couldn't describe them as that. And uh, when yeah, they lost, up. yeah, they lost a lot of the weirdos in the band. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but <laughs> I'd be interested yeah. to hear it now. You know. Uh, it's just it's like old school thrash, like uh, oh, I wouldn't okay. like like uh, you know what municipal waste or DRI sound like. It reminds me a lot of that. It's just sort of okay. straight down the line, yeah, yelly. Yeah. Uh, Dave Lombardo plays drums and he does the thrash thing probably better than anybody on the drums. Let's yeah. face it, um, yeah. you know the Slayer drummer. But yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I love metal and I love Morbid Angel. I love all of these groups, so that's why I listen to them. If, if I wanted to hear more, I don't really want to hear Mr. Bungle sound like a metal band, to be quite frank. But that's that's my view. Maybe you know, you know, in a weird way, it's kind of cool because they they're almost unexpected with their music, so you you wouldn't be expecting a metal record, you know. Maybe it's that kind of thing, and the next one will be a synth pop album who knows <laughs> I hope so I, I hope so I think you're right yeah apparently the when I say the new stuff it's actually the old stuff it's the stuff they did when they were at school so that's why it sounds like straight ahead thrash they've just oh. sort of 
Okay, yeah. that, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, what's the fellow who was the singer of the Dillinger Escape Plan? Got a mental blank. He's, he's new material. I have to Google it now. I can't just sort of let okay. that one go through the keeper. But he's yeah. new stuff. Um, escape Plan Singer. Um, Greg Pichardo, yeah, I've had a, I've had a couple of chats to him, and uh, his stuff to me sounds like where I was hoping Mr. Bungle now would go toward. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, right. You know, left of centre, but very melodic, and yeah, kind of goes synth synth pop. And the mm. next song was full on like napalm death hardcore sort of, yeah, you know, yeah. grindcore sort of thing, you know. So the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just like what we're exchanging um, messages. I just want people to sort of hear your, hear your guitar playing. If that's cool, like no pressure whatsoever. Don't do it if you don't want. But uh, if you want to noodle away and give us a bit of a jam on something, go for it. <laughs> I just wanted people to get some idea of your technique because we've talked about it a bit and and I love it. It's the meeting point in, uh, you know, if I could make this this uh, observation just in the moment between yeah. Billy Corgan at his very best before he became a fruitcake and Jimmy. Oh, that's huge, man. That's I, what I'm getting, I, yeah. Both of those, they're, obviously Jimmy's an amazing guitar player, but Billy Corgan is a phenomenal guitar player. Yeah, I, I don't know what the hell happened to him. He he sort of lost the plot after um, uh, the, the two albums. I mean, I didn't get into Gisher at the earliest stuff, but the uh, Siamese <laughs> Dream and uh, Melancholy. I thought oh. the heaviest stuff on Melancholy, like uh, Love yeah. is Suicide, whatever that song's called, and yeah, uh, bodies, bodies and stuff. Bodies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Oh, he could do it. That's the, I've, I've, I don't think I've said this in the podcast before, but, yeah, he could definitely write killer alt metal. He could yeah. do it, but he just went, he do it, you know, I don't like that because metalheads are bogans or whatever. It's like, dude, mm. come on, give us a break. Just and, and yeah. every everything he has done, to be honest with you, everything he's done since then has been garbage. And <laughs> I've tried. I believe me. The new, I almost had an opportunity. I'm not going to say I had an opportunity to chat to him, but I was, you know, the, the list comes through and you go, do you take it? You've got to be nominated and then you've got to be go through a process to talk to somebody like him. 
Yeah. He, mm-hmm. You know, and he wants to be with you if you talk to you if you've got an audience and all this sort of bullshit. Yeah. Um, I think that's how it works, anyway, whatever. But the point is, I didn't get to chat to him, but if I ever do chat to him, mm. that's what I'd say to him. It's like you can write a killer alt metal tune. He's to yeah. me, he was grunge Judas Priest. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His um his solos are pretty bloody good, man. Yeah. Um and I love the production, everything about it. Yeah, yeah it just I don't know what happened. He went, he, he wrote a door and then I heard, I think I didn't even bother buying a door. Somebody I knew had it back in the day in 98. Yeah. yeah. I think there's no guitars. Yeah. His mum died and that, I thought that album was kind of about her or something. Maybe it's something in that. I don't know, but I've heard the, I know you said it with the last one, but they've, they've got a, another double album coming out or something and they're saying it's melancholy oh part two. I, I don't know, man. Like I think there's a certain, time period where you can you know there's a magic there um and you well, i don't know you i'm not a millionaire but i imagine you get comfortable and um what's there to write about if you're comfortable yeah queen shrike if you follow them they've gone back and tried to do the operation mind crime thing now a couple of times again and it never works yeah. just leave it it's a moment in time you can't recapture lightning in a jar just no you can't no. and i've um i felt the same about I love Helmet, but they're, they're one and they went back and even recorded on the same, um, I don't know, it was like an eight-track thing that they did on In the Meantime. Yeah. Um, I can't remember which album it was. It was, oh, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago now. Oh, was it? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Helmet's early shit right up to Betty, uh, even oh, after Toast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the bread and butter for me, man. Amazing band. Oh, yeah. Uh, Have you yeah. seen them? Did you see them live back in the 90s? Not recently, but did you see no, them? No, unfortunately not. I saw them come through. I think it was basically Paige with, a, you know, with other musicians. I, I would absolutely love to see Stania behind him again, you know. I think he's here the these days, doesn't he? I know. I know Pete Menge lives. I bumped into him a couple of times in rehearsal studios. I'm not um, too sure if um, Stania lives here. Come join my band. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was in the Mark of Cain. It's not out of question. I saw, him, yeah. I saw him in the Mark of Cain and that was, oh, that was amazing. Yeah, that was, I've got to say, one of the one of the most brutal mosh pits, probably I'll go on record, the most brutal mosh pit I've ever been in where I actually had to get out of it was the Mark of Cain. That, yeah. was, just, that was just wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got, it was worse than being at a footy match, being in a ruck underneath playing rugby and yeah. being stepped on. It was, I lost my shoe. I need to find it later, but I could oh. barely, I could barely breathe. It was that bad. Yeah. 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 I, um, I, I saw them. Which tour was it? Uh, what's the one with the blue-gray cover? It's got Retaliate and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, not, good with, not good with either, Marco Kane. Uh, I know Ill at Ease, of course, yeah, and Battlesick, but, yeah, the one afterwards, yeah. Yeah, that album's phenomenal, man. That's amazing. Um, but I, th- I think the worst one for me, talking about Mosh Pitts, uh, was she had at the Amplifier Bar in Perth. I, um, I was wearing, I think, Dunlop Volleys or Chuck Taylors or whatever. Yeah. A real shit thin sole, and someone had dropped a beer stubby <laughs> the the neck. You know, you'd oh. use guitar or whatever for slider playing. Um, I, I was kind of jumping up and down, and that thing just went straight through the sole oh, into work. And um, yeah, obviously in the middle of the mosh pit, trying to get on one leg and pull glass out of foot is pretty much impossible. I think. So every time I got my leg up, someone would push me, so I'd have to come back down and push it up through the foot even more. And um, 
Yeah, that was my most brutal moment in a mosh pit, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't even I haven't bothered in decades to I think maybe the mark of Kane. I had a I had a moment of all bands, I don't even like them, but I went along to a corn gig and okay. uh, I was up the front and I felt the crowd crush. Yeah. And the panic. And that the, the hot the air goes like the air goes missing. And you smell, it's weird, you smell vomit and bad breath. It's so crazy. You And yeah. all I kept thinking, and it's crazy, like where your mind goes to in those moments, um, yeah. the, uh, you know, the, the Liverpool football disaster at Sheffield Wednesday's ground oh, yeah. in 1989 or 1990, yeah. It yeah. sort of was, went to there and I was like, I don't want to be like like, like that. And But I mean, rock concerts are notorious for this shit. You know, there's Ross Kilder um, and oh. Fred Durst and Buddy Link Biscuit at the big day out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, I just have flashbacks of a few gigs I've played, you know, in the, the band room being underneath the basically the the, the mosh pit and mm. watching it flex. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. 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 No, they're not for me, that's for sure. I mean, these days it's all fairly, um, I think most of the venues around town, see, most of the gigs I go to have like 50 people at them. So, and we're yeah. all old these days, so we'll just sit on the side and drink our beer and applaud, you know, very loudly when they're done one song until they get to the next one. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just occasionally I'll go to a bigger gig, like the last big gig I went to was Corrosion and Conformity, and that was outstanding. But again, we're all, you know, it's a 22 year old isn't going to get into Corrosion and Conformity, to be honest with you. And they're the ones that mosh us. I'm not saying we're old, but you know what I mean. We're just sort of at a point now where something can seriously break so, <laughs> <laughs> I oh man I'm getting in a car going for a drive so <laughs> <laughs> so have you got is there a possibility of gigs on the horizon oh, I'd love to play a gig um that's so I set myself some goals when I was laying in hospital and um yeah the the first one obviously was learn how to play this again um and then record the single that's coming out. So I, I play everything on that. I normally play everything like on way back when and the other couple of singles on Spotify, that's like I play all the drums and the bass and mm. percussion, piano, blah, blah, blah. Um, but on this one, I played drums on it as well. So I pushed it a little oh, bit. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. Um, but as, as far as getting back to gigging, um, yeah, I've, I've just got to manage where I'm at. Um, I, I still have a lot of issues um, with noise, um, just weird things, man. It's it's really hard to explain. Um, and if there's too many things going on at once, the computer shuts down again and stuff right. like that. So I've got to figure out if I'm if I'm going to do it. Um, it, it it'll be yeah a hit and run, in and out, you know. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm dying to play live again. Like just, just to be able to do it. Um, when after you've kind of laid in bed, just not being able to move um, for such a long time, and then working toward the opportunity again, like it's, yeah, it's just it's something you have to go through to be able to understand. You know, it's like sex. <laughs> I can imagine. It's <laughs> almost analogy ever. You know? <laughs> Coming out of an coma and be like, yeah, it's not sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, you, what you've been through is, is horrific, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, you've obviously had to be extremely resilient through that process. Um, yeah, yeah. But 
but I'm just I'm so glad for for you and 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 for Morgan as well that you you it sounds like as though you're coming out the other side of it if I can say that if I can make that yeah, observation you know yeah oh it's like I'm I'm a lot better than I was even even three four months ago I was you know um so it's it's it, it, it's not linear you know at all it's sideways backwards loops but yeah kind of pushing forward you know. Yeah, that's such a good point you make there about it not being linear. I don't think people understand that about recovery from something that affects your cognitive processes. That it's it's peaks and valleys, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's tough as well because it's um you kind of bless and curse in a way because it's invisible. Like I I have the biggest scar and dent in my head you can imagine, man. Um, luckily my hair grew back. Um, but yeah, the cognitive side of it, you um. Like I can bump into people and then, you know, oh, it's good to see you recovered and you're doing good and, you know, it's all tied up in a nice little with a bow on it and away you go. But, um, you know, I, I understand the um, the meaning behind it. They're well-meaning people, but... Yeah, I get you, yeah. Invisible disabilities in a way, you know. Um, and I'm learning about it too. I was the same. I didn't know anything about brain hemorrhages and ABMs and... Seizures and invisible disability and chronic fatigue and everything, you know. Um, yeah, but that's life, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> good way of putting it, mate. It's uh, it's not a cliche when it's true, as far as I'm concerned, because it is life yeah. and shit happens. And what, what do you yeah. do? You can only you can only deal with what's happened, mate. You can't, you know. There's two sides of the coin: is you can you can crystal ball gauge, you can catastrophize, and you can hope for the best. Okay, but the reality yeah. is, you can only actually deal with what the bloody hell's in front of you. True, that's it, man. Yeah. And um, you can only do your best, you know. How's the 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 memory? Sorry, if I'm probing too deeply, man, tell me not to nah, go any further. Yeah, it's all good. Um, memory, uh, it's weird. Certain things are good. I, I'm actually getting a lot of um, older memories just kind of popping in. Yeah. Um, Short-term memories, good shit house, but, you know, being a musician and <laughs> kind of yeah, you know, partying, maybe that's was always there, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got that issue because I'm not saying I'm a big drinker, but, yeah, I definitely yeah. go on binges occasionally and I find that my memory is just ratchet for a week after that. Nothing ever right. happens, by the way. I usually just do it here and you know, work on Adobe stuff or what have you, just getting things done. And uh, yeah. I just noticed that when I haven't been drinking, my memory's almost crystal clear, really, but as soon as I go back to drinking, mate, it's fucked. Yeah, it's a catch-22, you know, which yeah. all the good things in life are. <laughs> yeah, it's just everything in moderation, but what the hell is moderation? You know, to do things in yeah. moderation, it's like, well... I don't even, I don't, because moderation is different for the individual and you've got to experiment before you get to that process. But we've also, yeah. you know, we're all been alive long enough. We've all experienced clearly, you know, tragedy and disaster and also the flip side of it, the enormous love like that I feel for my kids, this sort of thing. But we've all sort of captive to this experience that is life and we've just tried to make the best of it as we can. And I mean, that's why, yeah. that's why I'm so grateful and, and I'm, I'm Sure, you're going to feel the same way and this is going to resonate, but we've got this love of music because I see a lot of people around me who have depression, they're mm -hmm. upset with life, they get frustrated very easily. They don't have that. They haven't got oh, something that's theirs, you know? Yeah, I I totally agree. I've, I've always thought, um, oh, this thing saved my life, man, mm. and, and always saved my life. Like, you know, I, I 
I grew up sitting in my room for eight hours just playing and not being bored and not. And then if I'm shitty or sad or whatever, I can come in and process it through six strings. Mm. Um, you know, and some people might do it through football or fishing or whatever. That's it's all the same stuff. But if if you if you kind of don't have any of that, that's horrible. Um, but I always thought. Um, yeah, they, they should definitely push music a lot more than what they do in school. And I think, you know, um, well, I won't get started on the education system. But, um, oh, it's ratchet. Dora, it's garbage. Oh, yeah. I'm there to educate you. It's there to chew you up and spit you out and get mm. you ready for the workforce, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, um, having a musical instrument, it's, it's so... Um, yeah, I can't even put it into words, man. It's it's just it's it's like it's, it's another arm. It's part of me, um, and I think um, yeah, you people do themselves a disservice if they they're worried if they're too old to learn something and pick it up and you know fuck that, just pick it up and get into it, you know. Yeah, I said the same thing for a long time now. Phil, more guitars in more guitars in young hands leads to less war. Oh, um, can you imagine? I, um, yeah, yeah. Imagine turning up to war and we just have to jam it out. Mate, when's the long way well, long way home coming out? Has it got a release date yet? It does. So um, my goal was to release it on the year anniversary of, you know, all that stuff that happened. <laughs> um, and that's, that's what I'm doing. So June 17th, okay. um, which is a Friday, it will be out. And that's that's that weekend of I, I would have put it out on the nineteenth. That would have been you know to the dot. But um, you know what releases are like on a Friday, so we'll roll with that, and that's cool. And then we can celebrate being alive and kicking over the weekend. Well, it's a magnificent accomplishment to have something to release after what you've been through. That's the key that's thing. Right. There's just Thanks, regardless of the date, mate. I mean, the fact that that you can commemorate it, if I can use that expression, uh, in this way. In other words, it didn't beat you. Here you are releasing music, what God put you on this earth to do. Um, yeah. Look forward to hearing it, mate. And uh, But more to the point, I look forward to hearing much more stuff from you because, you know, like I said, mate, up top, I think uh, the vista of your life just lays ahead before you and uh, that means plenty, plenty more music. Thanks, brother. Well, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, the extremely courageous... Laurie Luke, I haven't had too many conversations like that one right there. Thanks so much, mate, for sharing your story. I truly appreciate it. If you like listening to my podcast, you may also like to read my book, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1. It is now available. Go across to scarsandguitars.com, click the link in the banner, and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice. I've got a bit more to say about the book in the moment, but before I let you go, I've got to say goodbye. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it is a very good bye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew Mackay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel and things have just snowballed from there. In all... I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. 
in Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.